Hello and welcome to episode 268 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. He's a happy man because there are extra buys this week, extra buy weeks, a little bit more free time for your boomer friend, Evan Silva. How's it going, buddy? Good. Just trying to fire in all these uh, NBA unders that you guys mm-hmm. are taking. Yes. The I'm key. Excited. The key is to find the best players in the league, NFL or NBA, and just bet their unders. That's really, <laughs> that's really, <laughs> that's really the key. Uh, okay, on today's show and each Tuesday this season, Evan and I, of course, will go team by team, highlighting the most important things we saw from a fantasy perspective and key takeaways. Today we'll be doing the AFC. Before we get into it, two things. First, if you have not subscribed to our in-season package yet, you are missing ninety-five percent of the content we put out each. Week Silva's matchups, our projections, ownership projections, all our shows, premium pods. We do have weekly and monthly options up on the site now. Check out the subscribe page for that. Second, this show is brought to you by our friends at prizepicks.com. You guys know me. You know I love player props. We just released player props package separate for NBA, but I know a lot of people don't have access to legal player props because they're in New York or California or Texas, or a bunch of other states that don't have regulated sports betting, Prize Picks is legal and regulated in those states. You can bet their props in parlay form. If you want to give them a try this week, they have a 100% instant deposit bonus to use. $100, use promo code ETR to get the best deal, or use the link in the show notes. Again, promo code ETR at prizepicks.com for the instant deposit bonus and best deal. All right, let's get to it with the AFC. Big win for the Ravens. Surprisingly easy win for the Ravens, but it came at a cost. Ronnie Stanley is now out for the entire season. Latavius Murray hurt his ankle. I want your comments on that, Evan. And also I want to note Rashad Bateman made his NFL debut and it was a good one. Sammy Watkins wasn't out there, but Rashad Bateman, 45 of 65 snaps, 22 routes on 33 Lamar dropbacks. On those 22 routes, Rashad Bateman earned six targets for 29-0 result. So what do you think about the Ronnie Stanley injury and anything else? on the Ravens. Yeah, they've been surviving despite the Ronnie Stanley Stanley injury. I mean, they've won five in a row Mm -hmm. um, and Lamar's been playing at a really high level. You obviously would rather have Ronnie Stanley out there, but Ali Villanueva, that's his natural position and he can be competent and, you know, they can get by. Um, They don't have a whole lot of room, you know, more remaining room for, for error. Uh, you know, based on all the dudes that they've lost on the offensive line so far, they lost their entire left side, theoretically, in Ronnie Stanley and Tyre Phillips. But, um, you know, they've been they've been getting by. Uh, the running back situation was kind of crazy. They had three washed-up dudes, Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, and Devontae Freeman. Each one of them has, like, almost the exact same level of usage, and they still trample all over the Chargers. The Chargers have been horrible in run defense all year. I think this speaks a lot more – to the state of the Chargers run defense, which they're like just an, an incredible run funnel mm-hmm. um, then to the, you know, the sudden uh, effectiveness of the Ravens rushing attack, you know? So um, I don't think there's a, Mark Andrews, the hottest tight end in the NFL right now, another really good game by him. If you were patient early, you were being rewarded big time. Yes. Very encouraged by the peripheral usage numbers on Rashad Bateman. Um, yeah, Mark Andrews over the last five weeks, the overall tight end one, outscoring Travis Kelsey, the tight end two, by 15 points over that stretch. 
Yeah, I think, you know, I'm not like falling over myself to add Rashad Bateman, but if you're in a competitive league in a deeper league, I mean, dude has talent and should have opportunity. I mean, Sammy Watkins cannot stay on the field. And when he's on the field, he's not producing at all. Buffalo, uh, wild game last night, man. Wild, wild game against the Titans. You know, it's really been the same story all year. Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley are running so many routes. I mean, they each ran 51 routes on 57 Josh Allen dropbacks. When you get a team who throws at the rate that the Bills throw at uh, and have so many attempts each week, I mean, Manny and Beasley are going to be so valuable all year. But anyways, what did you see out of that game last night as the Bills go down to the Titans? Just kind of re- reiterated to us just how widespread the distribution is, the ball distribution is in Buffalo. and. You know, sort of like we talked about with Dallas, they're going to run a lot of plays. They're going to score a lot of points. And dudes are going to have good games, but they're also going to mix in some duds because the ball in a certain game goes to other dudes and not to them. And you're just going to have to kind of ride it out and and deal with it because there's going to be more reward than there is going to be downside in, 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 in for most of these guys. Dawson Knox is a situation to monitor because – he broke his hand in the game and then he threw the two point conversion to <laughs> Josh Allen uh, on like, you know, the, the Philly play, the Philly special uh, or the, the bills rendition of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, but I, I have to imagine that he's going to miss time. Um, Dawson Knox. So would, would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I haven't had the chance to look into it yet since last yeah. night, but yeah, I mean, right. I mean, it sounds like it. And, and you know, yeah. it's just the tight end position just keeps getting more and more thinned out mm-hmm. um, every time. Yeah, and I'm not sure that there's a pickup there. I mean, Tommy Sweeney did have a touchdown late in the game, but, man, he's always been a blocker. Of course, you can say the same thing about Dawson Knox before this season. Uh, mm-hmm. Josh Allen, by the way, is the overall quarterback, too, right now, 2.6 points behind Patrick Mahomes, who is the quarterback one. Cincinnati Bengals, this was the fourth game that all three of their wide receivers were healthy this year. Target shares in those four games are T. Higgins, 22.5%, Jamar Chase, 21.7%, Tyler Boyd, bigger up the rear, 169 I do want to note that the average depth of target, I mean, Jamar Chase is 17.5 yards, third in the entire NFL. T. Higgins down at 8.8 yards, Boyd way down at 5.7 yards. So you can kind of get a good look at the usage there obviously Jamar Chase with a 22% target share plus this huge ADOT has a massive ceiling every week. Joe Mixon, it was good to see him get back involved in the passing game. Samaj P. Ryan did not play due to COVID, but still they had Chris Evans, they had other guys they could use, and Joe Mixon still, I believe, caught five balls, which I think was a really good sign for him and his health. What'd you see out of the Bengals? Yeah, the one thing that I am worried about with though with Joe Mixon was was this kind of fluky because Chris Evans had a big game uh, mm-hmm. as a receiver. And I mean, it sounds like they love him. And, you know, could they go back to these games where Joe Mixon just gets like one or two targets? I mean, those those are pretty frustrating and they really leave him without a floor in games that the Bengals are going to lose or where he doesn't score a touchdown. Um, But I, I, you know, I'm with you. It's encouraging that he was productive in the passing game. He was able to hold up on 23 touches just a couple of weeks after suffering what was initially called a high ankle sprain. Later, Adam Schefter uh, categorized it as a low ankle sprain, and it seems like that's what it actually was because he's out there performing very effectively. The Tyler Boyd stuff is, you know, he 
he needs like he's a volume receiver. He has to have them throwing the ball, you know, Joe Burrow dropping back 40, 45 times. And, you know, because he's got that shallow a dot because he's not as much of a playmaker as Jamar Chase and, and T Higgins. He's not making plays, you know, along the sidelines. He's working in the middle of the field and on shallow routes. He needs a lot of target volume to get there to be useful in fantasy and the Bengals, although they've opened it up a little bit since uh, the beginning of the season, are still not what we thought that they might be, or at least, you know, what they were last year in terms of pass volume. For sure. Browns, a lot of injuries here. Nick Chubb's not going to be back Thursday. Kareem Hunt hurt his calf, is going to be out a while. Baker is questionable. Case Keenum is the backup. I mean, they play the Broncos on Thursday. They're going to come in very, very banged up. I don't know if Jarvis Landry will be back for this game. He seemed close. But I'd be a little bit surprised if he came back Thursday. I mean, they're down to Dearness Johnson, shout out AAF. They're down to Demetric Felton, shout out preseason, where he was like a wide receiver you could play at running back. And I mean, I mean, they're a mess right now. They're getting shredded on defense also. What do you see out of the Browns? And man, I mean, this is kind of a tough spot for them. They're so banged up yeah. playing on a short week. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I thought the Browns would take care of business against Arizona last week. And I just underestimated their injuries going in because they were missing Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin and other Cardinals were kind of banged up too. I mean, they were missing Chandler Jones and Rodney Hudson. And I thought those would kind of offset, but then we get into the game and Odell gets hurt and Baker gets hurt and Kareem Hunt gets hurt and Jeremiah Owusu. Shit. I, I don't know. He's, he's J-O-K, all right? We'll, we'll call him J-O-K. <laughs> Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Um, he also got hurt. He suffered a high ankle sprain. He's out indefinitely. Um, these are critical players. I think it would be crazy if Baker Mayfield played in the Thursday night game after re-dislocating his shoulder. Dan Orlovsky on the Rich Eisen show had a pretty interesting breakdown because, you, you know, you, you and I may think that, hey, it's his left shoulder, so it's his non-throwing shoulder, so he should be fine, right? But no, Dan Orlovsky talked about how, you know, at, at his best, Baker Mayfield is like a version of Drew Brees. Not saying that he's Drew Brees, but he's like on that spectrum, right? And he needs to be very technically sound. He needs to be a technician. His mechanics need to be sound play to play. He needs to be a rhythm passer. He's none of that when he's got this painful arm injury, uh, you know, in front of his body, every time he drops back to pass, mm -hmm. he's, you know, doesn't want to get hit. He's scrambling all, you know, scrambling around with like, with, with a, like a chicken with his head cut off and there's no rhythm to the offense. And he's, you know, he's, he's worried about it every play because he doesn't have Jedrick Wills. And he doesn't have Jack Conklin, you know, that's a, a top 10 pick and, you know, one of the highest paid tackles in the league and they're not out there with him. And neither is Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham is injured. And it's just, it, you know, the, the injuries have really mounted to the point that the Browns aren't a good team right now. I don't think I mean, they may be, you know, Case Keenum, I think is a better option for them right now yeah. than, than Baker Mayfield. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, this version of Baker, I don't think it's that big of a downgrade down right. to Case Keenum at all heading into Thursday. We will have a Thursday showdown show me and Cody, if you guys are interested on YouTube, that'll be free. Denver. In case Keenum knows the offense, because he was with Kevin Stefanski in Minnesota for that one big year that he had. I think it was 2017. 
Denver Broncos, uh, you know, I, I didn't play any Noah Fant this past week, and, and maybe I should have because his usage with Albert O out has been really awesome. I mean, Noah Fant, 58 of 60 snaps, 38 routes on 43. Dropbacks, 22% target share, goes 9.971 and really breaks the slate at the tight end position. Did Noah Fant. Now, Teddy got hurt in this game. Looks like he's going to be okay, though. I think he'll probably be able to play Thursday. Melvin Gordon came into this game, I thought, banged up, but that Denver didn't think so because he had his normal usage slightly better than Javante Williams, who continues to look really, really good. But yeah, what you see out of Denver? You know, speaking of teams, because the Browns and the, the Broncos are meeting on Thursday night, banged up situations on both sides. The, the You know, almost the entire team for the Browns is banged up. Teddy Bridgewater on a short week coming off taking 17 hits and five sacks. Okay. He, he is not going to be feeling good out there, um, you know, on, on Thursday, I, I would suspect. Uh, I, you know, I, I would be a little worried about him. And then Jerry Judy is not expected to play on Thursday, but it sounds like he should be back for week eight. Let's go to our weekly segment where we don't know what to say on the Houston Texans. I'll say Chris Conley hurt his neck in this game. We'll see what his status is going forward. He was blocking a ton. Anyways, the best receivers are very clearly, to me, Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks. I mean, Brandon Cooks' target share continues to be at, like, Devontae Adams levels. Obviously, the efficiency, the touchdowns are not going to be there because you're playing with expansion-level talent around you. But, yeah, you know, another just shattering. I mean, 31-3, they got wrecked by the Colts. Anything on the Texans? There was some buzz on Monday that Tyrod Taylor might have a chance to play week seven against the Cardinals. I, I don't know about that, but um, just something to monitor. Tyrod Taylor did play well in a very small sample at the beginning of the year. Yeah. No, he had them in positions like win games when he was in there. I mean, they won a game, obviously, and then he got hurt. Colts. So T.Y. Hilton comes back, and actually T.Y. Hilton was playing well, and putting up numbers against Houston as he always does, but hurt his quad at the end of the game. We'll see what his status is. Paris Campbell also got hurt in this game. I mean, I played a ton of Jonathan Taylor in tournaments this past week. And I was like infuriated when he had two first half carries. Obviously Mm -hmm. the dude was going to absolutely shred ends up finishing with 14 carries for 145 yards and two touchdowns. What'd you see out of the Colts? They obviously were not tested very much by the Texans. Yeah, and uh, Bible-thumping Carson Wentz is uh, quietly on fire over his last three games. Six touchdowns, zero interceptions, 9.8 yards per pass attempt. The O-line is starting to get healthy. Um, I I took the Colts to uh, win the division uh, entering Mm -hmm. last week. I was hoping that we would get a situation where, you know, the Colts would take care of business against the Texans, and then the Titans would take care of business again. Or I'm sorry, the Bills would take care of, the Titans. So, you know, it would be almost like a, like a two game swing mm-hmm. that did not happen because of what happened on Monday night. Um, but I, I still kind of like that bet. If you could get it like plus three fifty, um, I think that the Colts have a chance to be, to kind of pull themselves out of um, the, the depths that they had fallen into early in the year. They're off- again, their offensive line is getting healthy. Carson Wentz seems to be o- over the double ankle sprains. He's playing well. Michael Pittman looks like he's taking another step and uh, they've got a, a, a great running game and their defense is not terrible, uh, but it, you know, it's just, it's, it's competent. Yeah. Colts play at 49ers on Sunday night. And then they get that big division game against the Titans uh, the following week on Halloween. Let's go to 
Jacksonville. And ever since that Carlos Hyde shoulder injury, like that surprise scratch on that Thursday night when Carlos Hyde got scratched, it's like Urban Meyer was like, oh, okay. Yeah, James Robinson's good. James Robinson outsnapped Carlos Hyde 56 to 8 and outtouched him 20 to 0 in that London game on Sunday. I mean, James Robinson is a major, major asset right now. And obviously, our rest of the season top 150 is out. I think James Robinson is going to take a pretty nice leap. What do you see out of the Jaguars? Um, I think that one of the bigger takeaways for me, and yeah, I mean, God, it took like he had to overcome, you know, a first round pick at the same position. He had to overcome, you know, Trent Balky and Urban Meyer bringing back their their boy Carlos Hyde. But I mean, he's done it. James Robinson is like a survivor. I mean, mm-hmm. he was undrafted as one of the best undrafted seasons, undrafted rookie seasons in NFL history. They stack odds against him. And he's still, you know, he's still doing, I mean, he's, he's made himself into like an invaluable um, centerpiece of the offense, you know, even though the Jaguars like didn't want him to be that Uh, LaVisca Chenault, we're getting tons of questions. Do we drop him last week? Sometimes you just got to be patient with young talents and just stick him at the end of your bench and see what happens, you know, and not drop him for, you know, some dork, you know, off the waiver wire. Because you know that LaVisca Chanel, you could see it on that 58-yard catch and run in week uh, five. And then in week six, he gets 10 targets. He only goes six for 54. But, you know, I mean, he's not – He they need him because DJ Chark is out for the season. Marvin Jones had a really good game here uh, in London. But, um, you know, they, they need LaVisca. Like, no one else is going to pop up for them in their receiver core. And Marvin Jones is only likely to fade, you know, as an age 31, 32 year old. So um, you just got to be patient with these with these kind of guys. Yeah, I mean, 10 targets for Lewis Chanel in this game, obviously a very, very good sign, even though Trevor Lawrence did throw it 41 times. Kansas City Chiefs, man, I mean, Tyreek Hill, nine catches, scored a touchdown, only 76 yards. Clear that the quad was an issue. I mean, he only ran 35 routes on 57 Patrick Mahomes dropbacks. We'll see what his practice status is this week. But it's just tough for me to play Tyreek in cash, at least right now, while this quad is an issue. Also, first game without CEH, Daryl Williams, the mentor, 72% of the snaps, 31 routes on those 57 dropbacks, 21 of 24 running back carries, and four targets for Daryl Williams. I mean, really, really good usage for him. What do you see out of the Chiefs win in Washington? Don't have a whole lot to add to that. I mean, you pretty much covered you pretty much covered all the bases. Yeah, and and also you know in these games where Tyreek is banged up, you can have more optimism on McCole Hardman. It's just you know the reason I didn't really want to play McCole in cash this week is because he's just like, I it's so bumpy with him. Like I know we talked on the NFC mm-hmm. pod about it being bumpy with some Dallas guys. Like Miko is like so bumpy because he's just not on the same page enough with Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Vegas. Um, it's been tough lately, man. Like they've played the Broncos, the Bears, the Chargers, some pretty good pass defenses. But next, coming up, they get Eagles, Giants, Chiefs, Bengals, Cowboys. I mean, they get the football team. They get the Chiefs again. I mean, if I had a chance to buy Darren Waller right now, it'd just be an absolute Bro. no-brainer. Yes. And Henry Ruggs has also shown up as well. So what do you see out of the first post-Gruden era Raiders? Yeah, I mean, this is the time to buy low on on Darren Waller because he's you know he's been a little quiet lately. But you you got this stretch coming up of, of bad defenses and shootout games, and like 
Darren, oh, and, and it begins this week. You know, this is the situation like the Robert Woods situation where you're buying a good young player in, you know, in, in a, a largely reliable offense, not to the extent of the Rams, but, I, I, you know, the way that Derek Carr has played this year, I, I would consider the Raiders passing offense bankable. And, I mean, you, you got to do that. If you're going to pull this off, you, you got to do it before he faces the freaking Eagles because the Eagles don't invest at linebacker or safety. They get drilled by tight ends every single year. You know, this is, this is the GPP week for, for Darren Waller. This is, you know, this is the buy low week. Like this is, this is checking all the boxes. You, you got to go get them right now. Um, Greg Olson took over as the play caller for the Raiders, of course, in place of John Gruden. Spiked the play action rate by more than uh, more than doubled it. Uh, he's getting he got Kenyon Drake in space. I think Kenyon Drake only had like six or eight touches, but they were productive touches. Um, and Derek Carr, twelve point six yards for pass attempt in week six, by far the highest in any game of his career. Yeah, I mean he's played well, man. I mean, so yeah, I, I couldn't agree more about all the Waller stuff. Chargers. Um, by week coming up, give a good chance for Big Mike Williams to get healthy. It looked like he was pretty clearly limited in that Ravens game. They'll play the Patriots coming out after that. You know, even with Big Mike limited, even with this outrageous game flow, which we could not have projected where the Chargers were just getting absolutely wrecked, Keenan Allen still struggled badly. Anything on Keenan going forward? Anything else on the Chargers? The Chargers had the ball for 22 minutes. So... You know, the, the problem here was not the performance of any of these guys. It was, um, although, I mean, Herbert didn't, you know, obviously didn't have a very good game, but the but they didn't have the ball. I mean, it was almost 40 to 20 in terms of time of possession. We don't have the ball. Nobody's going to be good. You know, Austin Eckler wasn't good, you know, and he's good every single week. The run defense is a real problem for the Chargers because if teams are able to just control the ball and keep their offense off the field, you know, that might be the best way to defeat the Chargers right now, and that could start to become a, a blueprint. So, you know, and I'm not like a proponent of run defense, but there, there's a cliff drop. Like, you can't go off the cliff to where you're getting just scourged for, mm -hmm. you know, six and a half yards per carry. Like, you know, if you if you you can give up like 4.7 yards per carry, and, you, and it helps your defense, but, um, you know, it helps your team. But right now they're, they're, they're getting too – beat up on uh, in run defense and they you know they were missing drew tranquil and kenneth murray at inside linebacker and uh, i don't know they, they need to do something about their run defense miami dolphins i have to give my weekly shout out to penn state mike jasicki 250 snaps this season only 16 of them in line dude is just balling and there was like some rhetoric that jasicki would uh you know not do it with Tua back uh, obviously, that's ridiculous. Tua, I think, is an upgrade on Jacoby, even though I still have my doubts on Tua. He's certainly an upgrade on Jacoby Brissett and played a pretty good game and very aggressive game. I mean, we had a bet on his over attempts and we didn't even have to sweat it. I mean, he had like 27 attempts or something crazy in the first half uh, against the Jaguars over there in London. What do you see out of Tua's return and anything else on the Dolphins? And he played well without Devontae Parker and without Will Fuller. So... I mean, I thought he was fine against the Patriots in week one. I mean, I know people, a lot of people want to, you know, close the book on two already. I don't know that he even has it, you know, within him to be like a star someday. But I, I think that we need to give him a little bit more time. 
He's also dealing with a bad offensive line, and that which kind of got a break uh, facing the J- Jacksonville, which hasn't rushed the passer all year. Um, but I mean, we we need to give Tua a little bit more time. Mike Jasicki was uh, Tua's main dude all last year, so the notion that Tua would be bad for Jasicki and Jacoby Brissett was good for Jasicki is just complete fucking nonsense. Yep. Ramondre Stevenson, as we move to the Patriots, I think is a story because, I mean, he's getting pass catching work and like they're so desperate. In the last two weeks, Ramondre's ran 16 pass routes. Damian Harris has only ran five. Brandon Boland has run 27. But man, I mean, I think Ramondre gives them so much more juice than Brandon mm-hmm. Bolden does. I mean, Brandon Bolden's a career special teamer for a reason. And so I like having Ramondre on my bench and you can maybe make some cases to even start him if you need to. What do you think about him? going forward and anything else on the Patriots. Yeah. You look at the box score and it's Damian Harris, you know, 18 for one on one and a touchdown and um, you know, a catch for seven. And, you know, it, it looks like everything's all good with Damian Harris, but they, he was rotating with Ramondre Stevenson on early downs in this game. I think Damian Harris only played eight more snaps than Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre Stevenson made a big play, like in the downfield passing game, running a route out of the backfield. That's pretty freaking impressive. Um, the problem is that Antonio Romo pointed this out uh, during the broadcast that Ramondre Stevenson had some bad uh, pass block reps. And that's not something that, you know, you or I might, might not even notice it. Um, mm-hmm. But Bill Belichick notices it and Josh McDaniels notices it. And that's something that he's, you know, like it, it wouldn't be surprising if all of a sudden he's inactive this week, you know, because of something like that. I don't, I think he's going to be active because like, because I mean, I've, I've been saying that I think he's the best running back on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, he's got, you know, he's a rookie. He's a raw rookie. He didn't, he was hurt a lot in college. Like he really didn't play a whole lot at Oklahoma or at least he missed like big chunks of time. And he's, he's still, he's got a lot to learn, but he's out there, you know, making plays, uh, as a rookie, that's pretty rare in a um, in a uh, Bill Pel- on a Bill Belichick team, for sure. Jets, they'll come out of their bye. And, and one thing I noticed this past week was like even the Jets seem to know that Elijah Moore is playing out of position. Like even even the Jets staff was like, yeah, you know, uh, we know Elijah's better inside, but we're working on him outside. You know, it, it, get rid of Jameson Crowder. The trade deadline is after week eight. Like, why are you hanging on to Jamison Crowder at this point if you're the Jets? Get Elijah Moore out there. Get Denzel Mims some reps. I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but it's been really bad for Elijah Moore on the outside. And maybe that's not a great sign for his long-term outlook because, like, ability to win in both spots is obviously ideal. But he looks to me like a player who is way more likely to win inside. But anyways, anything on the Jets as they come out of their bye? Yeah, so the reason that um, – and hopefully we're getting Makai Becton – back soon uh, for the Jets. But uh, I think that the, the the argument against the Jets getting rid of Jamison Crowder, and I, I'm with you, I, I think that Jamison Crowder is a progress stopper in the words of uh, Bill Parcells, that he's kind of getting in the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, I think the argument from the Jets coaching staff would be like, we want a veteran presence out there for the sake of Zach Wilson. The development of Zach Wilson is more important to us right now than the development of Elijah Moore. Um but yeah, I mean, I would rather like to see Elijah Moore out there. But I, I that that's one reason that they might not do it. I, I think that they should. Um, but yeah, I mean, in this in the the pre buy game, 
Elijah Moore was rotating with Keelan Cole, and then it was Crowder in the slot and Corey Davis outside. Now they're facing the Patriots. I think it's going to be another rough offensive game, probably. Steelers are heading into their bye, but we got to look at them in their first full game without Juju Smith-Schuster. And obviously, everybody saw Pat Fryerman, shout out Penn State, play a really good game. I mean, seven targets, caught all seven for 58 yards, he can do some of those short area things that Juju was doing. Obviously, Fryermuth is not as fast or mobile, but he is obviously a big body and really good threat in the red zone. Chase Claypool did not have a good game. I mean, did not look like he was on the same page with Big Ben. But the one thing that we know every week is like Deontay Johnson's getting 10, 12, 15 targets. Like, dude is just an absolute target vacuum. That's going to be especially the case without Juju. Anything on the Steelers as they head into their bye? No, I think you covered it all. Tennessee, last team we're going to do today. I mean, Terrick Henry, he's on pace for 459 carries and 45 catches. I mean, it's absolutely insane. Now, I think going forward, like, I don't want to say it's bad, but it's not as good. Taylor Luan is in the concussion protocol. They lost their first round corner, Farley. Julio got hurt. They faced Kansas City, Indy. Rams, Saints, they do get Texans, Jags are in there. So like, it's not, uh, you know, I just think there's going to be situations where Derrick Henry is not going to be able to carry the ball 25 times, but man, what an absolute outlier, freak, Mm -hmm. specimen. Julio got hurt again. Anything on the Titans, wild win last night over the Bills. Yeah, well, the reason that I I, like was betting against Derrick Henry uh, entering the season was just because regression in fantasy football regression is our best weapon you know that's why like we see Noah Fant in week five have just you know incredible peripherals with no Albert O and then we're like yo it's time to bet on Noah Fant in week six because you know regression is going to hit and you know he didn't do anything in week five but with those kind of peripherals like he's going to be productive at some point and he maintained those peripherals and he was a slight break breaker. As you mentioned, went nine for 97 and one Derek Henry has led the NFL in carries in back-to-back years. And, you know, there were a lot of moving parts in Tennessee reasons to believe that maybe they might open it up from a passing game standpoint, no real indications that they were going to throw the ball to Derek Henry more, which has been, although he didn't do much in the passing game yesterday, um, but he, uh, you know, that, that has been a very big boon to his, uh, to his fantasy production. Uh, but betting on regression, I, and I thought it was a smart year to bet on him to regress toward the mean. The thing is that this dude beats the shit out of regression. And he be, just like he beats the shit out of defenders. Did you see Micah Hyde? Yeah. That wasn't a very smart. I mean, I'm worried about Micah Hyde's family. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, that was brave as shit to do what he did. Um, and I, and he got, he got the big dog down, but man, yeah. he took at about set Derrick Henry had about a 17 yard full blast head start, you know? Yeah. Oh man. I, I, Micah Hyde laying out like that. I mean, I, I gain respect for him, but you know, don't do that again. Micah Hyde, that, that's all <laughs> you, you, you've, you, you, you've tackled Derrick Henry once like we're good now. Uh, God. Yeah. No, great tackle by Michael Hyde. Um, okay. We said it all about the AFC. Appreciate you all tuning in. Be sure you're subscribed. It's free on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. We'd appreciate it. Also, NBA starts tonight. We have two separate subscriptions, one for props, 
one for DFS. You can combine them to get the cheapest possible price. Four, producer Luke. Four, Evan. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.